praise God. Let's start tonight or this afternoon. I want to speak to you what I spoke to you yesterday. Yes, you can open the doors. This neighbor, um, this neighborhood needs to hear the word as well. You know, I started speaking to you yesterday about mercy. And the topic for the night was nation building, right? You're going to talk, you're going to preach with me. No, I, I can't hear you yet. We was talking about nation building, but you see, let me say something as a quick disclaimer. When we go and start speaking the word, when we start speaking the word we, the way we do, you do know that we don't have a catalog that we refer to, a library that we refer to to say, okay, today is the 23rd of March, so this is what the 23rd of March should say. I think what I want to show you is very simply the mercies of God and the mercies of God being beyond pity. Pity is included, but it's not the totality of what the mercy of God is. Are you hearing me? Like you can see with the flyer, the mercy is actually referred to as a seat, a position. And that's why I was so happy when I saw the flyer because I didn't ask them to do this. The mercy of God, you know, we have seen mercy and we've seen mercy as being pitiful, but it's not. But it includes that actually. But mercy is actually a, it's a role. It's a position. So today God lays it on our hearts and we start to remember that, Lord, we are actually nothing without you. And that's not belittling an individual, but that's recognizing his power. The reason why I cannot abuse my position, I cannot make someone, you know, Pastor Toby said to us that if any man, I don't care by what name they come, make you feel guilty they tri um, they guilt trip you it's not from God remember what we have heard recently and I've got a long way to go with you tonight or this afternoon but I, I told you that or scripture showed us that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus my leadership position is not bigger than what God is trying to do with you what a leader what a shepherd is meant to do is guide the people but guide the people with sincerity of heart. You must be conscious of the one that called you. So you see, one thing that I want us to understand, and again, this makes it so much easier to me, so that you can, because the English language limits what mercy means. It limits it. But this is the best way for me to show it to you. It's a place of authority. God in his sovereign choice so actually what I want to say to you is that Pastor Obi being a leader today is not because of what he has done it was God's sovereign choice you being here today is not because you willed to do so the Bible actually says so this is not actually for the one that willeth nor is it for the one that runneth but it's for the one who shows mercy where we are today so I want you to remember because yes you have been born with certain gifts some of you were born with the ability to speak well some of you have been born or you've grown in a place or you've grown in a way that you can comprehend things better than others but God says that my mercy upon a person's life is not subject to these things so a person that may know nothing about God can rise to being the person that leads God's people tomorrow so what we do is that we acknowledge God's presence do you hear that guys so let's start off with Habakkuk I know you're going to have, I've got many scriptures. So let me just use this as another disclaimer. What is different between our seekers sessions, yeah, 
and normal preaching is that normal preaching you're very confined to time you understand it's it's good it's proper but I think the days that made some of us were days like Ashburnham when we don't even consider time we allow the word to mold us we allow the word to shape us you know it's them ones that you say to yourself you determine in your own hearts you're going to receive this word or you're going to forget it you're going to allow flesh to make you tired and think of other things or you're going to grasp it so in these sessions it's intentional that I drag things and why do I drag things because like I said I as I in, um, in passing mentioned yesterday that God recognizes our zeal he recognizes it but the problem is that if zeal is not with knowledge it's still empty so zeal is not wrong but it must be based on knowledge so when we talk about mercy, I think re um, a few weeks ago when I was away in a hotel, I said to you that um, it was laid on my heart to go and listen to Looking for Mercy from PT. And I want you to listen to that word. You see the thing about that word, yeah? When you hear it, you realize it's really not your effort. That's the drive. Everything, if I show you many scriptures, and I think I've got over 10 to show you today. But if I show you scriptures today, it's to just give cases that constantly or that further verifies what I'm saying to you that it is the mercy of God that raises you so you see the problem is now we have been too what's the word we've been familiar with um do I want to say rich yeah I'll say rituals we've been too familiar with rituals that we don't even make room for God to raise a man so we are actually subconsciously taught that if you don't pray enough, you're not getting there. But please tell me Abraham's prayer life, you hardly see it. Not that he didn't have a prayer life, but it was not the ultimate. There was something more. Why did God call Abraham out of his father's house? Why not another man? God's sovereign choice. And what happens actually when a man responds to God's mercy, it will make you pray. It will make you do all these things. So in no ways am I neglecting these things. And you guys do know it. We pray. We pray. We fast. We do all these things. But they are not the ultimate. God was constantly trying to shine a light on something. And the problem is when God was shining a light on something, unfortunately, mankind did not look to what God was shining their light, was shining the light to. They, saw, they started looking at the shadow. But I'll get to that in a moment. So let's start with Habakkuk because I want to run through scriptures intentionally today. Habakkuk chapter 2. Read from verse 12. Woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. Woe to him who builds a city by bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice. We were going to go today. We'll see in scripture what Christ saw as the more weightier. What was more weightier in the law? What was more weightier? What was God asking from you and I? He wanted us to see it. So he says, woe to the person. So imagine that people have not learned justice yet. They have not understood mercy yet. Yet they're trying to build a city. Remember the last session I had with you when we spoke, now make them into cities. You do understand cities is not that you're going to create another London city. City is the development of you. So what happens is that men try to build a life, but they have not understand, understood justice yet. And these things are key, guys, because you see, the problem with Christianity is that people, and I've always said it, black people, and you know, I, I'm just going to be bold and speaking because it's not me that picks these words. You know, quick disclaimer, 
for me as a physical person it makes no sense speaking about nation building and coming up with a topic of mercy it don't make sense to me but I can't force myself to speak what hasn't come to me so God has his reasons for speaking this as black people guys I want you to hear this as black people black people are more known for entertainment they're more known for charisma that's why you can see a drastic difference between the white culture church and the black culture church and I'm not saying that they cannot be charisma I'm not saying that they should not be energy but that cannot be the sum up of who we are so many at times we like words or we like things that makes us move by action but God wants to give and impart in his people knowledge he wants to teach you and you see if you hear these teachings and if you grasp these teachings and if you live by these teachings then you will have the results you're looking for so the Bible says woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed and establishes a town by injustice go on has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? This is why we exalted God, uh, why we exalt God the way he is. Scripture says it clearly. The prophet who had the chance to know who God was, he says, has the Lord not determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire? It's not much, guys. What you're doing, your labor, so when you're stressing, saying, this is what I want to become, when you're trying to make yourself, God actually has already determined that that can never make you. This is the first thing that God needs to tell us today that it's not going to be how good or how bad. Remember the scripture and we will go there again today. But remember the scripture that in order that God's election might stand and what was his election? What was his process of election? That it was not by works. So it's not because you pray more than the neighbor it's not by works did you hear what scripture said it's not pastor obi's opinion right he said not by works but by him who calls has the lord not determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire yeah that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing don't exhaust yourself for nothing guys don't be like Jacob. You know, last year I taught you about the, um, God's word over the man he wants to use. And I said that, you see, the problem with Jacob, the revelation I shared with you then was that when he came out of his brother's womb, uh, of his mother's womb, sorry, he grabbed the heel of his brother. And what did I say to you then? I said that, you see, what usually happens even to those who are blessed by God, we are first shown the path of the wicked. And it looks like the path of the wicked prospers. It looks like, in fact, do you remember that Esau was loved by his father? Remember that Isaac was the promise of God. Are you with me this afternoon? Isaac was the promise of God, but he loved Esau who God rejected. You will hear me later. The promise of God loved Esau, but God rejected Esau. But for a time, what's his name um Jacob looked at Esau and Esau's way looked better so quickly when he left his father's house he started to work like his brother was once working until he got to a place and he found mercy but we're getting there today so he says that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing so imagine all the work that Jacob did for Rachel only for him to see Rachel die Rachel could not enter the promise with him so imagine he spent all his life and energy for something and God says it's coming to nothing you can only have what the father is given all good gifts comes from above it doesn't come from your own hands 
So these words, when I speak about the mercies of God, quickly someone starts to think, oh my sin, God have mercy on me. It's bigger than that. And I'm not actually speaking a doom message. Actually, I'm giving you reason to praise God more because he has chosen you and I as his objects of mercy. You know, there are people that were called the objects of wrath. People like Pharaoh. That no matter what Pharaoh did in his... This is the scary thing. But this is reason why you should praise God. You know, when we pray, when you lay on your face, when you worship, when you determine to live a life that is pleasing to God, it's because you reckon who he is. You consider who he is, that he raised a Pharaoh. And Pharaoh could not have heeded God's voice because God made him like that. You're not hearing me. So when you were called out of your groups, of your friends' groups, sometimes you have wondered why did they not receive it? God did not make them to respond. God made you to respond. So it wasn't because you were good and you thought, let me respond. No, God actually made you like that. Later, Paul will begin to say that, who are you? Because later, Paul would then say, so would you say to God, why do you even blame us if we are, if no man can resist your will? And Paul said, who are you, a mere human being, to ask God questions? Who are you? So what I'm ultimately saying, so as we get through scriptures, don't take this as a doom word and don't let anyone use mercy to get to your heart. In, in, in a negative way the mercies of God is actually saying that God has selected you and what was beautiful about the Jacob and Esau story is that before we used to think it's because Jacob was not a fornicator no Jacob had his own mistakes the reason why Jacob was raised was simply by the integrity of God's call so he says to us that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing so we say to ourselves and we allow the spirit of God say to us that we should not exhaust ourselves we should actually just stay in line with what God is saying. Next verse. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. This is what moves you and I. You know, yesterday I started, and we're going to go to Hebrews 10 next. Yesterday I started to show you that the Bible says that sacrifice is an offering you are not pleased with, but a body you have prepared for me. Please do not read your own intellect into the scripture. The Bible never said the body was what he was pleased with. I get that we speak things, but please, let's read scripture. Let's read scripture. The body was something, but what you do with that body is what God is looking for. The body in itself is not what he's looking for. Do you understand this? So the Bible says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. Why am I sharing this scripture to you? Why is Sean in Ireland somehow connected to us in Mottenham, London? It's not what I've said or what anybody has said. There was a word spoken before. And what you are doing is manifesting what Christ did when he says, here I am. I have come because it is written of me in the volumes of your book. Did I remind you or did I say to you yesterday? I believe I did. I said to you that every word documented today was once spoken. That's why the Bible says in times past, God spoke to us through his prophets. He didn't say he wrote to us. He said he spoke to us through his prophets. And in these last days, he speaks to us through his son. So the word that moves us is that God one day said that in his own mind. And please remember how God speaks. I'm going to take my time today so I make sure you get this. When God first spoke to a world that was dark, without form, without shape, that was void. He said, let there be light. That was not empty speaking. Every word that comes out of God's mouth 
And this is going to help you understand mercy and where I'm going. Every word that comes out of God's mouth is a call. Do you understand that? He called light to come. He called Adam to rise. He called Adam to work. So when the Bible says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, he's not speaking an empty thing. He's calling it forth. So when he wrote that, he had nation family in mind. He had nation family in mind. What drives us? This word. What drives us is not your desire. So we can be here saying, oh God, we want to take our nation. We want to help our brothers. That desire was not birthed in you. Remember, it was not birthed from you. The Bible says, for it is he who works in us both to will and to do. So the very fact that you will to win a soul was not out of your personal love. It was actually the love of God working through you. I want us to attribute all things back to God because ultimately everything being brought into subjection of Christ is ultimately so that Christ can subject it to God, that God will be all in all. So you must understand that the gift of singing on your life is not because you trained yourself. Because others could have trained, I'm still training and I heard that Dami was laughing at me yesterday, it's fine. I'm going to get her back today. <laughs> She's laughing at me. But on a serious note, what I'm trying to say is that these things were birthed in you by God. It was his choice. This is going to be important that you establish this point. You establish what God is saying to us. So, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And I said to you, the glory of any father is his children, right? I think it was uh, Marion talking the other day and she was speaking about um, what Hannah wanted. She wanted to have something that she can also offer to God. She wanted a son that she can have, give over to God. Now, let me tell you something. The glory of any parent, have you seen the way a parent treats their child? There's no parent unless they're mad, unless mental health has brutally beaten them down. There's no parent that would tell you their child is bad. There's no parent. We've heard stories of parents who lies and says that their kids went on holiday when they went prison. Because holiday is better to accept than prison. Because you see, the problem is if a child who goes prison is known by other people, it will speak of the father or the mother as irresponsible. You're going to hear me today. It will speak. So when God says that the glory of the Lord, remember that we have seen the, uh, I'm going to quote so many scriptures to you. So you don't, uh, what I pray to God is that he will hold my mouth from saying anything that's my own opinion. That he will only speak his word. The Bible said in John that we beheld his glory. Who was this that they were speaking of? Jesus Christ, the glory of the Lord. The son is the glory of the father so when the bible says the earth will be filled with the knowledge god actually wants the world to know you ivy god wants you, god wants the world to know you kida wants you to know you sean the world god wants the world to know you so this is what drives us this is what makes me me not my efforts not my desire but that god in his mercy spoke a word and yes he gave us different framings some of us are tall some of us are short and we're short and can never be tall like Joshua always says of Kida do you understand we are like these things but let me tell you something regardless of the framing there was a word that drives us 
this word leading us to cover the world so i know that the world is eventually going to get to a place where in every sphere and mountain every ground there's going to be a son a representative of god's family they're going to fill every place in the music mountain there's going to be someone that represents god's family and the world will know them you know that this word hasn't come into manifestation yet because the church only know themselves yeah, the reason why I'm not satisfied as being called Pastor Obi is because right now the church is the one that knows me. But from scripture, we've never seen God do miracles in Canaan. You know, I've always said that to you. Miracles are reserved for the outer world. Multiplication, subduing, the replenishing of the world is outside of the garden. The garden is where you learn before the Lord. So God wants us known. And he wants it to be that we are known as his sons. You come from a family. This is why I took you to Acts 1. And in Acts 1, I said that the Bible says that um, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses. Witnesses is not you are a talkative, but your life shows where you come from. I wanted to take you there yesterday, but of course of time, I couldn't go there. But when the Bible says the reason why Christ knew that God was not pleased was because he was with God. Why does God call us? as disciples why do we find ourselves in these rooms he knows that we need to be with him to understand him if not we will be there quoting texts and scriptures according to our own mind this is when scripture says things and we will go there as well when i took you to hosea yesterday and the bible says that it used to be robbers that's still from the pedestrians but the bible says now it's a gang of priests what, what, what is that showing us guys that it's possible for men to weaken God's law by flesh meaning that they take the word for their own advantage that's what God was showing us so can we establish today that what moves a grace what moves a weak what moves a precious what moves all of us is not our own desire God in his richness of mercy is the one that's made you the way you are and again so that no negativity can come into your mind as I'm speaking to you know that you have cause to celebrate because God determined before time that you will be his objects of mercy now let's start this word so Hebrews chapter 10 let's run through this step by step Hebrews chapter 10 start from verse 1 the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming the law is only is nothing more than a shadow it cannot be anything more than that and you see the problem about a shadow is that you can see it but it has no substance so you see all these prayer meetings and all of these things unless you understand what god is looking for there will be no substance in it you know one of my biggest drives leading young people it's that because listen it'll be ignorant to think that i will only be leading the young people for the rest of my life all of us are going to grow older so we're going to be leading older people and young people because we must never lose touch with the next generation. But the problem is, is that the Bible says that the law is only a shadow. Now, what, one of my biggest burdens as to why I repeat and spend so much time speaking, why our leaders spend so much time speaking and charging us into the place of prayer is because of this. God is not obligated. He's not obliged to give you things if you don't meet his requirements. Do not allow grace and the message of grace to be a, neglect, a neglecting of what God has asked you for. 
Because even the message of the new covenant, the establishment of the new covenant, covenant still had a commandment you had to follow. You know, sometimes in our mind, we think grace just means you could do anything and God accepts you. No, grace is an opportunity. It's a reaching out from God. So the Bible, when it says the law is only a shadow, what is my emphasis? Why do I drive the way I drive? Because most of us, if we don't have much doing, men naturally, look at the world, look at Twitter, for example. The world naturally follows what other people are doing. If tomorrow, church all of a sudden becomes what people are predominantly doing without the love of God people will try to come to church because they see people there you know when we started the radical soldiers yeah it was not common at that time it was not common for people to be that bold with God so we can boldly say that without us seeing motivation from anywhere it was the love of God that drove us to say you know what we used to do I hated it because someone um pastor Mariam sent me the flyer um from Coventry I was like, oh my God, Pastor Lydia, you've finished us today. But you see, when I saw it though, and she spoke to me, I, the first response I said was, oh, I don't know the guy there. And she's like, oh, you don't know. Then she forwarded to me a testimony of someone that's in the nation, never been in COD. Someone that's in the nation that went to Birmingham and heard Christabel sing. And when they went to Birmingham hearing Christabel sing, they said they don't know what, but they just kept weeping. It was from then that they started to look for God and it was through them that they started to say that these guys come from Spat Nation. That's a testimony I've never known. The law is only a shadow. So guys, do not allow yourselves to be exhausted by the things that are not the ultimate. How many, how many people have we heard saying that they believe in God and then eventually they got tired because it actually looked like God doesn't move? Today I gathered some of the brothers and I said today we're praying for mercy for our generation because when it looks like God is not uh, moving in the generations because that generation is lacking mercy. And in case you think, oh yeah, Christ died for me and mercy is already dead, the Bible says that you should approach that, um, that throne. It says you should approach it. So mercy can't be found unless there's someone going before the, um, the Father pleading for the sake of a generation. We must not allow our youth to deceive us, guys. We know how our youth deceives us. A woman thinks she's beautiful because of her youthful body, but that body is a glory that's fading. No matter what you do, go and do all the surgeries that you've told me of. Someone told me the other day, see, if I get big, they're going to disappear for three days and they're going to come back. I looked at them, I was like, even if you do that 10 times, old age will hit you. Old age will hit you. I read something the other day. I don't know if it's true, but I just thought it was interesting to speak to you guys. It said in, um, um, you know, one of these posts. No, in fact, I can't say everything. It said some stuff about marriage. But it said, listen, if you're going to enjoy marriage, marry your friend. Because every other thing that you think comes with marriage is going to fade away eventually. Including the love. <laughs> so you better marry your friend. But this is not marriage counseling. So the law is only a shadow of the good things. So do you know what the problem is? Imagine from heaven. Now I need you guys to listen to me. Imagine from heaven, God shone a light. He actually brought the light upon, for example, let me use Ibi as an example. God is shining the light on Ibi. Expecting that Glody will look at Ibi. But do you know what mankind has been doing? They looked at the shadow. They're looking at the shadow. Like, it's like, Glody, that's how daft 
that's how stupid we have become. Imagine God was shining light on one person. And what we did was, we didn't even bother looking at the body. We are looking at the shadow. And from the shadow, we determined how God is pleased. God says the law is only. It can never be more than that. Our constant prayers and what did the law bring? Sacrifices. It showed us sacrifices. It showed us prayer. It showed us all of these different things. It showed us a way to live. But it can only be a shadow of the good things that are coming. Not the realities of them. Not the realities themselves. Carry on. For this reason, yeah. it can never by the same sacrifices. So because it's not the substance itself, because it's not what God is trying to show mankind, the Bible says it can never make perfect. So God forbid, and why did I take you to Hosea yesterday? And we'll go there. Why did I take you there? I showed you that the backstory of that story, yeah, the backstory of that chapter was that the laws, I mean the priests and all of those that existed knew that God was merciful. The glory of God is not the shaking of a building. It's not the, ri the rising of a lame man. That's not the glory. The glory you would always see when he speaks about the glory, he first proclaims his name and what he is. He says that I, I will show mercy to whom I want to show mercy. I will show compassion to whom I want to show compassion. That's not God being erratic with his choices. That's God saying, mankind, understand me, that I'm the one that governs here. That's actually what he's saying. It's not going to be how well Elohim by himself can try and please me. It's not possible. It's going to be that I chose to raise you. And in case you think that that's how do we obtain God's mercy? No, David showed us. David with choices in life because everyone is given choices. If not, God will not be fair. He chose to lay down his life before God. He, he fell at his feet. He said it's better to fall into the hands of God because the mercy of God is not only just giving you pleasurable things. It can also not punish. I won't use the word punish. It corrects you. The mercies of God corrects you. Do you understand these things? So the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never. Can we just establish, can we just say to ourselves that, you see all this praying and fasting, if we don't get what God is trying to take us to, this will never make us perfect. And let me tell you something, because you know, many people say a lot of things. But you see, time will prove everything. I was talking to my brother, Pastor Francis, the other day, yeah? and he said to me, that what he didn't realize, and I was saying, it's not only you. What I didn't realize is that every word you speak, you'll be tested. You see, every word that you're saying, those that are preaching, let me just give you a heads up, yeah? The Holy Spirit sets, sets you up. He will inspire you to say things. And you will say it believing that God is good, he's giving you word. Only once you've said it, the Bible says it must be tried. And the person he's going to try it through is the person that spoke it and the person that received it. The people that are never tried are the people that never received the word. They don't need to be tried because situations of the world, you remember the parable of the sower, situations of the world already chokes them and they leave. But you remember that the Bible actually says that there's some people that when persecution arose for the word's sake, but so that I don't go too far today, but I will go far. For this reason, it can never. So I don't want to be someone just basing my walk with God based on, did I pray today? 
Did I fast? Have I fasted in the last two months? Have I given? Remember what PT showed us with this scripture that by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly. You see what you're starting. And I'm emphasizing this so when we get there, you know it. What God says is that if you keep repeating these things endlessly, so you see the things that you see yourself repeating, repeating, repeating. They're actually trying to show you that, look, there's something more. And if you don't find it, this will be an endless repetition of this thing. But it won't be able to make you perfect. That's why someone can have done seven years trying with God. And for most of us, it's never seven years. But they've done a period of time where they feel like, oh God, I'm good with you. And then all of a sudden, one mistake happens. And PT said this the other day, that after that mistake happens, it's like that for seven years, whatever number he said, but let's use seven years. It was like that seven years never happened. God wants us to press into something more. This is why I'm talking to you about mercy. By the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, yeah? Year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. It can never do so. Go on verse 2. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all mm. and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Look at this. So ask yourself how many times you've prayed about one thing. And the Bible says that we should definitely come before the Father and repeat certain things. But the Bible also says that you should not be someone that is babbling as well. It says you should not be just speaking, thinking that the Father does not hear you. But you know, two years ago, there was a prayer you was praying and you're still praying now. The Bible says if that was able to perfect you, think about it. If you're praying for holiness, for example, if it was able, if what you're doing was able to perfect you, you will not have to pray it two years later because you should have been perfected by that initial prayer. So guys, holiness is not given to us through our prayer life. Holiness is given out of a gift of what Christ has already done because he's the only one that offered once for all. And PT said this and it was Pastor Rike that wrote in, our, um, 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 in one of the group chats. He said to us, he was like, listen, I have to train my mind. I'm paraphrasing. I have to train my mind to believe this is truth, not what I see. Because the reason why we don't enter the realm of God is because we don't fully believe what he's saying so someone is still guilty before God and I'm asking where did that guilt come and they said that they fell in sin but then I said what is sin to you because sin is more than the act is a state but that state has been dealt with because of Christ this is what we testify to the world but testifying that is not through talking it's through a lifestyle it's you know when guilt comes upon you you know you realize that you you disqualify yourself from good things I remember when things come when guilt has dealt with me and I hear a good word about my life I'm just thinking oh god he don't know me <laughs> but then you have to ask yourself who's more important so God inspired a man to speak and God doesn't know you no guys we have to speak like this we have to today if not you see what we started here you see what the nation family has started if we're not careful what the PT warn us in royal priests with this word that there are many things that start off spiritual then when it grows it becomes law we can't afford for that guys I've been saying this and every day I pray I realize that tomorrow's life the lifestyle of young people is determined by what we do so I actually realized that one thing that God said to me or laid on my heart is that you won't, and I think I've said this to you, you won't 
not be a man of God. There's nothing for me to return to. For some people, they have things to return to. And you know, I've said this to you. And scripture also says it. To the man that has an alternative, you have to be careful because that's a country that you can go back to. Scripture says it. There's someone that is dead to me and I'm just thinking, why do you have this alternative? It looks good, but it's for your destruction. Now someone say, you shouldn't say these things. No, truth is neither nice nor bad. It's truth. You have an alternative. That's what's going to destroy you. The Bible says if they had in mind somewhere that they can return to a country, they would have went back. But there's some of us that don't have anything we can go back to. I can't even go back to my family. Leave me with them. I will probably kill them. I can't even go back there. You are my family. You're all I have. So because of that, you see what happens now? God actually gets us to a place of understanding these things. These things will not have been able to save anybody. You know, all these things that we've been doing, they cannot save anybody. They cannot save. So the Bible says, otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? Go on. For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all. Yeah. And would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. Mm. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. They're an annual reminder of sins. Let God never... Be, God can never be proved a liar. He's not a liar. So don't say that I gave and it wasn't a reminder of your sin. I made a comment because I've done it before. That you know you've, you've done a wrong and you're just thinking, okay, what can I do to please God? Fast. And in that fasting, you feel so close with God. But you see, the problem was the reason for it was already something that God can't accept. So people have said, did I not fast? Why did I go back? It's because it wasn't really a fast. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. This is what the word says to us. Read for me. Go on. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. There's not a chance with it. There's not a chance. These blood, uh, the blood of bulls and goats, we don't sacrifice goats. We know that. But it's, it's an image of what we are doing today. It's impossible to take away sins. Only one was able to take away sins. Christ. Your acknowledgement of the Son is what will make you free. Carry on reading, go on. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said... So because of all of this, Christ came into the world, came into the system, and he said what? Sacrifice an offering you did not desire. Sacrifice an offering you did not desire. Can we just pause there? He says that sacrifice... Christ, I told you, the reason why he knew this was because he was with God. Why were the apostles so effective in all their, their advancement into the world? They were effective because they were with Christ. What was even more important is that scripture then said to us that when Judas lost his place, they said that the person that must take the place of an apostle must be someone that was there with us from the beginning. So if you are someone that is with a work, it's what's going to make you a witness of that work. Being with a work is your disciple days. But you see, before you can be a witness, you must have been a disciple. So the Bible says, because he was with him, he knew that sacrifice and offering was not what God desired. 
But in the interim, what did he do? He prepared a body. There was something that he prepared for Adami. He didn't say he gave the body, you know. He said he prepared it. He said, a body you have prepared for me. Go on. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased, yeah? Then I said, here I am. Yeah. It is written about me in the scroll. Then I said, here I am. This is what Christ, our example, the firstborn, our elder brother, this is what he taught us. That once you acknowledge that there's something that God has already prepared, a function, so yesterday I said to you that a body is a function. So you see what happens is that the day that God laid hands upon a, um, a, a Nikisha and said you are a pastor. What happens is that he is called a body upon her. Now what we do is that we acknowledge that we are not trying to create something. Whatever we are to be has already been made. Once you acknowledge it then you present yourself saying I am here to do your will. You know David almost got it wrong because he wanted out of zeal to do something for God. But God says it was never written that you would do it. It was going to be Solomon. And as much as I love you and as much as I testify of you, David, to the world, I can't make you do what I, beyond what I've prepared for you. Now, we know what God has prepared for us. God wants us to live in good health and prosper. Do you understand? So do not allow, this is why I said to you, do not allow anybody to question your drive for prosperity because it's not your drive. Like PT said to us before, God is way more ambitious than us. In fact, when God begins to reveal to us his plans, it will scare us. So he says, then I said, here I am. It is written about me. Guys, until you've listened to the word, listened and listened and listened, until you get to a place where something in your heart just says, this is not talking about John the Baptist or this is talking about me. Unless that truth rises in your heart. Do you remember what PT, um, Peter sorry, said to us? That it is good that we pay attention to this until that star rises in our hearts. You must pay attention. So there are some words I was saying to someone the other day that one of the words that I know is for me, is for me, is the Elijah, Elisha word that PT spoke in Croydon Park. For everyone else, that could have been a wow word. I remember when Pastor Indidi used to tell us, I think in New Suburb, or maybe even in COD, she used to tell us that there were certain words that she used to listen to. There was a word that changed. You know there's a word that you know changes you. Until you get to a place where there's a word that you know, this is me. You can't start your journey with God because God cannot give. Imagine referring back to Jacob. Remember that the Bible says, before the night that Jacob fought with, the, with God or struggled with God, remember that the Bible tells us that Jacob by this, by this time had had two wives. He has children. He has money, he has cattle, he has servants. Shouldn't that have defined to us blessings? Isn't that blessings? You know the world, that's what we call blessings, that we have a big household. We have a lot of money, we have servants. We have those that work for us. We have all kinds of things. But imagine that when Jacob started wrestling with God, he held God and he said, please bless me. We saw him struggling. Yeah, it was a struggle, but what was he asking for? Mercy. 
So he realized that all these things that I had couldn't have been the blessing. It couldn't have been the blessing. So these things, when I say these things to you guys, what I want you to understand clearly, clearly now, is that God has something he has prepared. But we cannot make use of that body until we realize that there are words that has been written of us. That's why scripture says that all things written before time were written for our sake. So you know we haven't got there if we're still just talking, as, talking about Joseph as a separate entity. Almost we have to kind of say there was no Joseph. Is God trying to impart a spirit in us? No, you didn't hear me. Uh, yes, Joseph lived, but it was more than a body. It was a function. You know, that's why you can hear that there was an Elijah before Elisha. And then there was Elijah that baptized Jesus, John the Baptist. It's a function. Okay, carry on reading. Go on. I have come to do your will, my God. I've come to do your will. So Lord, today we ask you to help us discover ourselves in your word. This word is like P.T. always says, it's the compendium of his, God's thoughts. It's his will. It's his mind. When we find, when God breathes upon his word and we find ourselves there, then we say, God, I present my body for the achievement of this. So I'm not, that's why you can hear some people saying, I don't care about marriage. Not that they don't care about it, but that's not what they were called to do. These are things in addition to you. The only thing you're meant to seek after is his kingdom. Do you remember when I taught you, I know, I know you guys forgot this, but you remember when I taught you the original, I think it was in the King James, it says, seek ye the kingdom. I said the kingdom is you. There's a you that's the kingdom self. You know, there's one time that PT on Periscope, yeah, I've got these recorders. I told you guys that anytime you hear a word about COD, record it, save it. It's what is making you. So PT in one word, I think he was teasing Ashley and he was saying, oh, you see that Pastor Obi guy, he's a different guy. He's a kingdom man. He don't even need to do right. That's not saying I shouldn't do right. But what I'm actually trying to show you is that that was not an, a random expression. That's not reserved to just Pastor Obi. The Bible says, seek ye. So to a Marian, there's a kingdom version, the body prepared of Marian. The Bible says, seek that. Then all other things will be added to you. So God does care about marriage, but it's not what he wants you caring about. God does care if you're clothed, if you have food to eat, but it's not something he wants you caring about. He wants you seeking for his kingdom, seeking for the body that he's looking for. So when things are not going right in my life, if I'm not seeing the, um, the, the results I want to see, it's because God's saying, I can't apply what I've committed to the kingdom self of you. I can't give it to you unless you've become that kingdom man or woman. But let's carry on going because I've got a lot of scriptures today. Go on. First, he said, sacrifices and offerings, yeah. burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, mm. nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. Yeah. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. Yeah. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body I of... I love how scripture says it. It says, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body. So I said to you yesterday, as much as the Bible says it's not sacrifices that you want, the Bible says we've been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. 
Now that's important though. Because it's, you know, and Marion, you said it right. You know, she was testifying in her periscope. She was saying that how um, um, the story I've said of when one time we had to find out what the fruit was that Eve ate. And someone said straight away, it's this. And PT was like, no. Then I said, sir, I think it's this, but this is the reason why. And he said, yeah. Now imagine whatever we said the fruit was, was the same. But what God defines right is not the end result. It's the process. So this is why if we're talking about people prospering, hey, there are people in this world that we can't lie and say there's people that are not prospering. Stop lying. Stop, stop being that kind of Christian, you know, in your heart because you, you're, you're annoyed that it's not you or your father. You always got bad things to say. There's people that are prospering in, what, in whatever capacity, let's say, anyway. But what is the case here? God wants us to get the process right. He wants us to get the process right. So it is the sacrifice, but it's the process to that sacrifice. So he says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Yeah. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duty. So let's go to Hosea again. Chapter 6. And read from verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. Yeah. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. Yeah. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Now, when you read this, guys, look at the scripture now. When you read this, don't this look like people that are looking for repentance? It says, come, let us return to the Lord. No, but you see, if you look at the context, I've always said to you, and I've been recently saying more to you guys, when you're reading scripture, read in context. These were not people that were really looking for repentance. They were looking for restoration. Okay, let me explain. Saul was never looking for repentance. He was looking to be restored. He was never calling for his heart to come back to God. But he wanted to become, whatever people knew him as was what was more important to him. So there are some people, so let me tell you, there's a breed of people that are determined to look good before people. But then there's a remnant of people that are determined to look good before God. Now the people that, uh, that determine themselves to look good before God may not start off looking good before people. You know when we hear terms like the first will be last and the last will be first. You know Christ kept repeating these things. And sometimes you know in our own greed we say no God forbid. Because in our minds we've already determined ourselves first. So they're saying why would I be last God forbid such bad thing understand these scriptures these men and they were priests they were those that assumed to know the lord they said let us return to the lord he has torn us to pieces so that's why the next that um, sentence now explains their first sentence when they say come let us return to the lord he has torn us to pieces but he will heal us they wanted restoration they didn't want intimacy he has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. Go on. After two days, he will revive us. Yeah. On the third day, he will restore us. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us. That's what they were looking for. Restoration. That we may live in his presence. Now, that's interesting because we, we, that we may live in his presence sounds like such a Christian thing. It sounds so right. But I said to you the other day that there are people who made, who pitched their tents in the outer courts. 
That is still God's presence. But it's not the only place God wants you to be. If there's an inner room, it's just like someone coming into this house. Yeah? This is where everyone can be. But those that are more dear to me, for example, not in this house because everyone has abused my room and all our rooms. But when we have a proper house and we can um, honor the rooms again, yeah? The people that enter your room are those that are dear to you. So now God actually, who desires intimacy, actually wants all of us to come into his inner room. Now these people were living in his presence, but they were living in the outer courts. Now the problem with the outer courts is that you're still too close to the people. So easily you can, be, you can begin to do what they are doing. So you see the problem with, um, what's his name now? Eli's sons. They were making mistakes. They were sleeping with the women who were at the doorposts. They were not in the inner place. They were at the outer place. That's why it can happen. So if you see yourself still struggling with certain things, God is actually saying, get in closer. If you get into me, you won't, if you get closer to me, you will not even see those people that you can fall with. Carry on reading, go on. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Yeah. Let us press on to acknowledge him. Yeah. As surely as the sun rises. He as will... surely as the sun rises. This is what they've learned, God. They've learned, you're going to go to Exodus 33 for me. They've learned the glory of God or they assume the glory of God. They know that this is someone that, you know, if you call on him, he's going to be merciful. You know, that's what we used to do. We abuse the mercy of God. No, I want you to, today is so that you can think and then we can live accordingly. Because eventually Christ started to say things like, uh, let us do this according to the scripture. It means in agreement to. He was totally sold out to what the word asked of him. Have you heard, let me not go ahead of myself. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to, on to acknowledge him, yeah? As surely as the sun rises, yeah? He will appear. He will appear. If we fast for a period of days, he will come he will come like if we pray he will come but God is still saying there's more please I don't want you to and that's why I brought back the name seekers I don't want you to ever forget that you are seekers don't let anyone tell you that you should stop seeking I, one day I had a conversation with someone that is dead to me they're not part of this um, house but they started a church through us oh, now I've given it away innit? anyway truth is good innit? and they, they started speaking and one of their fights was that we don't seek anymore. I was like, oh, you know God. You know him fully. Okay, cool. Stay where you are. Our lives will show it. You know the thing that we must be careful of? Do you know why I said to myself, I will not look at me to prove anything? It's because the Bible says, and wisdom will be proved by its children. Wisdom does not stand at the gates trying to prove itself. What I mean by that is what you produce will prove if you're real. Where this will go will prove if this is right. So sometimes we just have to sit down. You know, PT always used to make um, say things like, oh, you know, there's people, there's presidents that do this, this, and it's like, oh, it's cool. We'll just wait. You're going to die before me. That's what he says. I love it. I'm going to start saying it all the time now. It's like time will show. Christ actually says that he's not the only one that he doesn't testify of himself. The father and the works testify. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth, yeah? What can I do with you, Ephraim? So what we must never do, guys, is this. Now, this is what God says. 
What can I do with you, Judah? As a response to the priest looking for restoration, not repentance, what were they asking for? God, they were asking for restoration, not repentance. But God desires that you repent. Now, God says that now you're in a state, priests. You're in a state. Remember, so that you don't get lost with me. Remember that when we talk about priests, when we talk about Ephraim, when we talk about Judah, all scripture was written for you. So I'm actually talking to Korede. I'm actually talking to Ayo. I'm actually talking to myself. Now, God actually says, now, the problem is, I want to do something with you. But what can I do with you if you're in this state? And what is the state? The state, now, guys, this is why it's more dangerous. Did you notice that Jesus hardly spoke a bad word about people who were ignorant to him? Who did he have an issue with? The Pharisees. Those who assumed to know, but didn't. So you know in the world there are people that chat rubbish about us but there's some people that chat rubbish because they don't know. That's why Christ can then say forgive them for they do not know. What did he do? He extended mercy. One day someone will reach out to those people. So that's why a soul who became poor can be someone that was once persecuted but he was ignorant to the truth. He can seek Christ but he had not had the revelation of him. So for that reason, God can be merciful to him and then eventually call him as an apostle. Later, you'll see that the kind of grace that God gave Paul was a grace that made him work harder than his peers. What can I do with you? So God looks at the man in a certain state and says, what is it that I can do with you? The state that we should fear, guys, and this is the state we should fear. Once you, once you know a lot of scriptures, yeah, fear at that moment. Once you know a lot of songs or whatever, you, you know, when people say you can preach, when you can sing, when you can do this, be afraid. Should I tell you why you should be afraid? Being afraid is, you know, we can learn the rituals. But what God is looking for is what he said next. Your love is like the morning mist. Your love was there in the beginning but faded away. Like the early dew that disappears. So you remember when Christ had to say to the church, your first love. Imagine they did all those works. And Christ said, if you don't return to your first love, even with all the works you have done, I will come and take that candlestick from you. So here's the issue, guys. What does God look at? What is God looking for? Read the next verse. Go on. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophet. So when I saw that you was in a certain state that I cannot do anything with, I bought a word that cut you into pieces. I said things that defied, that it destroyed you. It destroyed your image. You remember I spoke a word that your core discards your image. He speaks a word because what God is saying is that this image looks like religion but does not look like me. So what I have to do is speak a word. And you know, sometimes the way God speaks, please, Grace, listen to me. Well, I, when God is speaking a word, do you know what God does? He's speaking a word is not only when Pastor Obi sitting here or when Pastor Indy or when Pastor Rico or when Pastor Ben or when whoever is speaking. It's the circumstances you go through. Your circumstances speak. He allows you to go through things and you'll be thinking, I've been doing all of this, but nothing's happening. He's cutting you into pieces because that image is not what he's looking for. The first conversation, and remember, please, this is why I said, don't lose me. The, whenever God speaks, it's a call. So when God says, let us make man in our own image, it was a call to a certain day. 
Adam was made in his image but fell. But then after that, man was not made in his image. Christ had to return to make man in his image. Oh God, are you listening to me? So God has to disfigure, yes, a priest so that he can really be a priest. There's a place, I was saying it to some people and people took it as a pity thing. And I kept saying to them, it's not pity. That's why I didn't want to speak it. I said, it's not pity. But I realized that God has shown me that after all of this that you've done, you and yourself know that this is not what I'm looking for. And now everything is waging war in my head. And then that's when the message of mercy started to come. But mercy not being out, I have pity on you. Don't include it. But that I have a sovereign plan for you. Submit to that. So therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. If you killed them, how are they still speaking? So he's not talking about physical death. He's dealt with a certain image. That's what I'm trying to say to you. He's dealt and he says, then my judgment go forth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. Now verse 6, what does it say? For I desire mercy. For I desire mercy. Can you say to yourself what God is looking for? He says for I. What God is looking for when he raised you is mercy. His desire was mercy. You know, I don't even like the NIV. In King James it says for I desired. You know when I say for I desire, it sounds like things may have changed now. But when he says for I desired, it means when he first set it, this was what he was always looking for. So I realize that there's times as a pastor that sometimes you get too stern and God is saying, no, it's not sternness I'm looking for, it's mercy. And mercy includes sternness because it's not also just giving everyone what they want. Mercy is the choice of God. It's an authority. It's understanding that who you are is beyond you. It's from the decisions of God. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice. Why do you give me sacrifices? Now, what God actually says to us is that if you were to obtain, if you were to walk in mercy, another translation speaks of it as, uh, or another definition of it speaks of it of, as unfailing love. I, to- I took you to the message yesterday that says, love that lasts. If you operate in that realm, you will naturally fulfill the sacrifices. So you see what happens with us guys. What is God saying there? Most of us got so used, you know when we first came into the house of God, there were certain things that drew us. And you know what's powerful about God? God can draw you without you understanding. So some people just was drawn to PT. I remember I always say the first day I heard PT, I whispered to myself or I said it in my thoughts, this is me. That made no, it made no sense to me. But you see what happened? I realized that he's the revelation of who I am. Now that, I grew to understand that. So when we hear things like PTJ, it now, for me, it now makes sense when I said that was me. But what am I trying to say with this? Now what God is saying is that what happens is that usually initially, you start off with the right faith. I said to you um, in one of the word charges, I said that salvation is not based on your initial faith only but the faith that you continue in. So there were people that went Ashburnham with us and there was a spark that was put in the depths of us. But you see the problem is that people just didn't nurture that, that fire. You remember the duty of priest is to keep the fire aflame, but you can't start that fire. 
So what happened now is that God actually says, what, I'm, what you are now is that you know, my, you know the, the religion, you know the duties, you know about fasting, you know how to quote John 3.16, you know all these things, but your heart is not with me. You know, I, I, please listen to me. You know your heart cannot be with two people. That's the reason why God says you can't serve um, God and mammon. So you see, honestly, check what you speak about the most you will know that your heart is somewhere else. Now, is God saying that to us to rebuke us? No, he's saying, I'm trying to kill an image so you can really be the image. Because the end image is the conformity into the image of the son. The son that didn't care about anything else. So I actually get why Christ couldn't have married. Not because it would have been a sin. But his life was to show total devotion to God. So for that reason, because he's showing something, he cannot be anything else. He can't share himself with anyone else. God says, I'm after love that lasts. Not more religions. Religion. I want you to know God. Not go to more prayer meetings. But you see, what I'm trying to say to you is that, so what God actually wants us, when he says, I've desired mercy, what God is actually saying to us is that as you do that, you will naturally do the, the rest of it. The Pharisees, what they will be questioned for now later, and I'll show you that scripture in Matthew 23. What they will be questioned for is that they went for the inferior practices, but that which was more weightier, they neglected. When they, ne when they neglected these things, what happened to them? They missed God completely. They missed God to a place that God says, you will not be part of my family lineage. But please, guys, Let's be real today. The Pharisees, were they, were they consciously serving Satan? Everything they did was because they thought it was service to God. They considered that Moses actually did tell us that man should not work on the Sabbath. God, uh, so you Christ, how can you go defiantly in front of the people and work on the Sabbath? So they were actually at war with Christ because they thought they were doing God a service. I said that I'm not talking about the Pharisees or the priests. I have to keep repeating this. Most times we find ourselves fighting Christ because we think we're doing God a service. I'm after love that lasts, not more religion. Yeah. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Yeah. And acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Yeah. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. As at Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me. That's what God is most concerned about. When God was talking about Israel being like an adulterer, he was talking about the faithfulness of the grace of an Esther to himself. Other men came past. This man was the desire. Um, this man that came past was the desire to be great. When you saw him, you had intercourse with him. And God is saying, you are unfaithful to me. But the problem is, is that that woman quickly cleans up herself and says, okay, let me go and arrange the house. Let me create food for God to come and sit again. And God is saying, it's not that I want you to cook for me. I want you to be my wife. No, do you understand what I'm saying? He wants you to be intimate. He wants, so what God is looking for from a man, or a man of God, a woman of God, is that their heart is really tangled in this. He wants your heart to really be one with this work. 
He doesn't want you just doing things. He wants you to actually have a heart involved. So when Christ, go to Matthew 9, 9 now. When Christ came across someone like Matthew, when Christ came across someone like Matthew, the world, the community then was looking at him saying, how does he go into the house and sit with sinners? And Christ said, did you understand the statement that God made, that Hosea, Hosea said, for I desired mercy. When you're there, read for me. As Jesus went on from there, yeah. he saw a man named Matthew yeah. sitting at the tax collector's booth. Yeah. Follow me. He stopped here. So now I told you I'm speaking about mercy. But you see, when I'm talking to you about mercy, I want you to understand core. Because it's mercy that cause. Are you with me? It's mercy. I know, please, I need you guys. I, I know that I have to speak this message again to you and use this time to speak it because knowledge needs to be given. Mercy is core or mercy actually cause. So now the Bible says that Jesus went on with everyone he could have picked. You know, I would have thought that a Pharisee that's already trying to serve God, if, God commit, if Christ committed himself to teaching them, because they're already trying to serve God, won't they be the best people to win? But the problem is, is that once you've lived in God so much to have created your own image of God, it's very different for that image to be changed. It's very difficult. I remember times when we used to do the things of God and I remember, even now as I'm speaking, I remember, I remember times looking at how people used to treat youth revival. And I actually remember praying and I said, God, please, may I never miss your move in a new generation. Because I realized that you've created an image of revival. So when the new phase of revival came, you couldn't identify with it. So what did you start doing? You started to persecute it. Well, you should have been uplifting and pushing. You, crumb, you tried to cr make it crumble. Jesus Christ knew that it's the mind that is ignorant. The mind that doesn't know, the simple that you can make wise. You can hardly make the wise wise. Follow me, he told him. He told him, yeah? And Matthew got up and followed him. Mm. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. This is the kind of mercy God is looking for. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, what happened? Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate. When Jesus Christ found Matthew he found many like them you know church have you realized and be honest with yourself church now has become a reshuffling of souls across churches the church has actually not known for so long that god has not been moving in their midst for so long because what they've been doing is just like a new church pops up you know like anyway it's good that you weren't exposed to certain churches but what they would do is that a new man pops up and then someone that you saw in the old church as an usher or cleaning, you see them in that church and you'll be thinking, what happened? Is there a new God? No, when you see, so how would we win souls? If your heart is mercy, you will see. So I actually said yesterday, because in passing, I actually mentioned the scripture when I said to the boys in Jervistan that God will not accept you into his realm. Heaven is his realm. Heaven is not in the sky. It's his realm. So a man can be in his realm on earth. So we can be the walk in heaven on earth. That's why we get to a place where when you walk into a room, 
people will know that the presence of God has come because you are now heaven on earth but you see what happens here is that people look at um, the, the thought of heaven and I said to you guys the, the brothers I said that the Bible says Christ was the one that said to us that many will come and say Lord, Lord in your name did we not cast out demons these were the acts of God right he said that did we not prophesy in your name these were the acts of God and what did Christ respond to them he said get thee behind me get behind me I don't know you I said to you and it, it sounded funny but you will not accept a stranger into your room if you really cherish your room as a private place I, again we've messed that up but if you cherish your room as a private place you will not accept a stranger there unless you call them though that's mercy unless you it's your choice a stranger you can't be aware walking into someone's room you have to be someone summoned <laughs> you remember i taught you a scripture and i said that none christ actually said that no one can come to me unless the father draws them and it will be said of them that they were taught by god so what happens now is that what God would do how would a man gain access into God's realm the Bible says that when I was in prison you came and visited me when I was hungry you came and fed me when I was thirsty you gave me water to drink God actually says it's the mercy you showed me through showing up. So why I actually looked at Pastor Sam after service and said you're a wizard is because because of time I couldn't go into it. But that's why I quoted it. But what I was actually trying to show you was that God was never in church. You know we're used to going to church because we have a mental thought that we're going to meet God there. But God left the church long ago. God went and hid himself in a PK. Now it would take someone that was birthed of his own image which is mercy the glory of the Lord it's only someone of mercy that will find him in a PK that's why I started quoting scriptures or was quoting when the nation family or the Spat nation page or was it PT that used to say oh I thought we found gold in dirt God left the church long ago why don't we see miracles why don't we see signs and wonders it's because out of fear and because we don't really know God we hide ourselves here and you know because we don't know God you see what you're looking because you're meant to know God if you don't you'll be determined that people know you so most men of God actually stay in the house of God because that's the only place they're known you know we've seen men of God that will come in robes yeah and I'm just thinking God help us because if they walked without protocol on the street Pastor Enrique was amongst some people that him and his friends started dashing stones at a church one day. Thank God it wasn't you, but you imagine they came and grabbed him, the sacrificial lamb. They came and grabbed him. So I'm looking at some men and I'm just thinking, Christ walked in cities. And I said people like Zacchaeus, he wanted to know him. He had an inquiry of him. This is what men and women of God should be. Those of God's family. The Bible says that you don't light a candle and hide it under a table. It's going to be people that... So when you look at PT, you know he's a man of God because the world knows him. If he goes out there, people... We have been with him. I was looking at some videos of when we used to go to... Um, what's this place called now? Not Selfridges. Harrods, yeah. And we could just be sitting there and we see boys grown men you know grown men 
They'll look at Peter and be like, <laughs> and you know I realized with all the talk we see on Twitter we have not come across one person physically that speaks like those of Twitter no we probably did but because men like to follow when they really see him they can't say nothing so I said to Beryl the other day do you think it was by your own effort that a million people have seen you through your music do you think it's by your own effort, effort that a million people have seen you for what you've done? God's trying to do something here. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, so if we find the Matthew who was actually destined, predestined to be a, a disciple, what will happen? We'll gather more of their kind. So if I say someone like S. Wavy is like a disciple, and you know not all disciples, not all of them will be walking with you every day. When you need to achieve certain things, you realize that there's disciples. If a tomb is needed, Peter can't provide it because the guy has gone and run away already. If it, there's disciples in all kinds of places. So if you gather one of them, you gather a whole kind. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. And do you know what I love about Christ? Christ never hid to do these things. He did it so people can see it. Meaning he was trying to tell them something. He ate with him and his disciples, yeah? When the Pharisees saw this, yeah. they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Yeah. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, yeah. but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Did you hear that? So Christ said, but you see, you guys, you know a lot of the Torah. You know a lot of the law. But you never understood this. He says, go back and learn what this means. And if he says learn it, it's because he wants you to, to begin to exhibit it. He wants you to begin to put it to practice. He says, go and learn. This is what I say to you guys today. This is what I say to myself. Go and learn what it means that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire love. I desire love that does not that does not fail. I always said it. Look at someone like David, because this is our this is our trajectory. This is where we're going. Someone like David had no training of being a king, but God made him a king. Why? What's the only thing we can see in David? Mercy. He determined to go against nature because of who was committed to him. No, let, let me not say it. To whom he was committed to. Let me repeat that. In the ordinary world, if a lion sees a sheep, it's going to eat it. It's fine. What else does a lion eat? It has to eat other animals, right? But David, because he was committed to the people, to the sheep, he said, I will not allow it to happen. What did he do? He expressed a sovereign choice. Did you hear me? He expressed something. He, what he, so you see, David, God actually says, now, you see with Saul, Saul looks like what a king should look. He's tall, head and shoulders taller than everybody else. He's a handsome man. He started off well, but he don't know mercy. But you see, David, you don't look like a king. You don't speak like a king. Can you think of David returning home? 
David will have an odor about him that was not his. Because he's always around sheep, he will now smell like them. You know what I love about PT? And I said yesterday it was intentional that I have to speak through PT because I said that ultimately what Christ wants us to be is witnesses of where we've been. He wants us to be witnesses of who we've been with. So actually I said to you that, so what I wanted to say with that is, now look at David. David actually took the smell of those he was committed to. And that's what people will smell him as. Pastor Toby has always said, imagine that all the things that they've said has been about people around PT. What they've attributed only to him. That's an act of mercy. Christ in himself was sinless. But he took on sin because of who he was committed to. Acts of mercy. And God saw him, though he was sinless, as the one full of sin. And now finally the world was able to find its atonement. Why? Because of mercy. He took a sovereign... You know... Yes, some things I want to say, but I won't say actually. I won't say this because this might be mad. But I think I'll say it in a safe way. Jesus Christ, the Bible says when he came into the world, he said. He didn't say that immediately because a baby can't speak as they, like when they're born. So at a certain point of his maturity, he realized that the word was spoken about him. Should I say it? Should I not say it? I think Christ took responsibility. I think Christ chose to take the word on himself. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that there's a word in scripture that you can say is me. And say, Lord, I present myself to you. Do you understand that? You can choose to take God's word. Because everything was written for your good. Let me not say more. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's go to the Zacchaeus story as well. Luke 19. I want to get through all of these things. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Yeah, go on, carry on. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Yeah. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was sure, he could not see over the crowd. Mm. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, yeah. since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Yeah. I must stay at your house today. Yeah. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Guys, I have to say this again as a way to prophesy that there are people like Zacchaeus out in the world. And what the world, both the community in God and the community outside of God, they both agreed in saying that this person is wicked. They both agreed in saying that we don't like this person. He has betrayed us. We've just seen the story of Matthew, who was a tax collector. Christ, in his own words, actually used, he understood that people didn't like tax collectors. He said that treat them as tax collectors. Now, he takes a tax collector called Matthew, makes him a disciple. Now he goes to even one that's a chief tax collector. This man has become wealthy by dealing wrongly with people. He was a man, like I said yesterday, a man out for himself. He didn't understand mercy because he was looking for life. But that expression did not mean that life was not in him. 
if I had time, I would have said this. But you know, you know, Zacchaeus actually means pure. So imagine he was living an impure life, but he was pure. Ultimately, where he was going, what I'm trying to say is that there's a name in everybody. God knows you. Have you heard when God says things like, I will know you by name? Meaning that I will regard you as your name calls you to be. That's why God says that Israel, what is your name? Oh, Jacob, what is your name? He says, I can't know you as Jacob. I must know you as Israel. So what actually happened was that Zacchaeus was someone that was going to be made free. But other people could not see it. His community made him remain as a tax collector. But look at his response. When Christ came, only passing by and said, so he came down at once. When Christ said, come down, we must stay at your house. He came down at once and welcomed him what? Gladly. The people that's going to accept us are not the church people, guys. But they are the real church people. These real church people have been scattered across the earth. You know, Christ used to, God used to prophesy a lot through his prophets. And he said that I will gather the remnants from all over the earth. And I was thinking, in that time, did they have ships like that? Were they able to just travel? Was it that easy for someone to leave Israel, to be uprooted from Israel? And because of their sin, he takes them to England. Were those places discovered? Like, you know, I had to ask certain questions like that. And I realized that it was a prophecy because all of that is shadows. So Israel is not located in one geographical location. The real Israel are people of promises scattered abroad. So actually in your mountain, in your field, there's someone that God knows by name. But God can't come and redeem them unless his son who reveals his glory, reveals his glory to that person. What is his glory? His mercy. I told you he was going to read Exodus 33. Read it for me, go on, from verse 18. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, yeah. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Yeah? And I will proclaim my name. Yeah, and the I will proclaim my name. Now, guys, you know, sometimes, yeah, uh, this might be extra. This might be extra. And I'm not saying everyone should do it. Yeah. But when you read scriptures, do you remember when we prayed this prayer years ago? Do you remember when we prayed this prayer? We prayed, God, help us to see the scripture. You know, we actually used to pray, I want to see it. I don't know if, if I've told any of you guys. We, I want to live it. I want to feel like I'm there. So you see, when the Bible says, now imagine this. The God of heaven and earth that created everything. Moses got to a place in his walk and ministry. Imagine this was in the beginning of his ministry. So why am I actually saying to you guys that God starts speaking to us about mercy now because it's a practice that it's into your ministry you realize it's not about you. You need to know him. Now Moses got to a place that he said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. Go on. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Yeah. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Yeah. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Now go to chapter 34. Read from verse 5. Then the Lord came down in the cloud. Now imagine this, guys. Imagination was something that God gave us, right? So use your imagination to imagine this. Then the Lord came down, go on. In the cloud and stood there with him 
and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord. This is the glory. This is what he decided to show him. If anyone wants to know the glory, the character of who God is, he says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate. Now look, because of religion, how many of us has looked at the Old Testament and seen God as a very angry person? Because of your commitment to religion. The, the first thing that God asked you, and I wanted to say this yesterday, but I'll say it today. The first thing that God asked us was that we love the Lord our God. As you love the Lord your God, then you can follow through with all the other sacrifices. So if you don't love the Lord, you won't know him as compassionate. You know Moses was quick to kill because he did not yet know the Lord. He killed an Egyptian quickly. But you see, the more he knew God, even when God was angry, he had become birthed of God. He was born of God. Now, even when God is angry, he said, God, you can't do that to your people. He had now become gracious and merciful. Now, the Lord decided to show him and he said, the truth about me is that I'm actually a compassionate and gracious God. Yes, I can be angry, but I'm slow to anger. Please note that as well. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. Go on. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. But the God of the Old Testament doesn't look like he forgives easily. No. No, the reason why is because, ah, oh, I'm going ahead of myself. Ultimately, Paul, let me just go ahead of myself. Paul ultimately got to a place that he was someone very knowledgeable about the Torah. He was like a Pharisee. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, right? But now he had a revelation of Christ. And when he was able to weigh up the Old Testament and the New Covenant, he said, ultimately, therefore, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies. If you don't access love, you won't know him. So you will see him in view of something else. So like I said, the Old Testament, and even us as we read it, most of us see God as an angry God. We see God that is quick to judge. But the person that loves God knows that you can fall at his mercy. Maintaining love to thousands. No, so when I read this, do you know why this... Uh, <laughs> I, I give up, I give up with certain people. I, I beg God, do you know what I beg God with? I say to God, yeah, that you see a word here saying maintaining love to thousands. And you said that you are the God yesterday, today, and forevermore. My beg is that there's thousands, there's remnants here in our generation today that you've chosen to maintain your love to. Show me who they are. I promise you out of the things that God showed me from scripture and all, that you will be surprised the way revival is going to show itself forth in our time. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Go on. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. After all of that and he bowed and worshipped. He came to terms with who God is to a certain capacity. So what I want you to understand with this, guys, is that what God wants of an Iokonomi or of myself or a Sharon is this. When I call you to be witnesses, you must understand that the drive that you fully understand who he is, is important above everything else. It's not about because anyone can open their mouth and start praying tomorrow. Anyone can start giving. 
But the difference, what will accept you into his realm is if he knows you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Is if God knows you. If God doesn't know you, and listen, the only way God can know you is if your heart. So honestly, I'm saying this to you guys. If we're saying that we are to revive a generation, God wants our hearts entangled with people. I look at some people and I love something that Pastor Sam said yesterday. And when I, when I heard him say, I was just like, this is what, this is it. This is what made, this is what testifies to him as a pastor. He's a merciful man. He looked at Alicia or Pastor Alicia and he said that it doesn't matter who comes, we're going to have to receive them. So sometimes I'm listening to some people talking and I'm thinking, you don't know God because I can hear it in your confession. I can see it in your actions. You put yourself before God. But God actually says to me, and he says to us that it is mercy. It's by mercy that you will win. So that's why I said that I looked at Pastor Toby. And Pastor Toby is a big man of God. For those that are exposed to the things of God. Oh, not exposed to the things of God. People that's been exposed to men of God. You will look at PT and you know that Pastor Toby really humbles himself to who he really is. But he can look down and it's not just Pastor Obi's talking to you. If he sees a Frank, he can have a conversation with Frank. You know, sometimes, and I'm doing this intentionally so I can speak to leaders as well because I had to speak to myself. Sometimes as leaders, you get to a place that you put yourself above people. You put yourself above people and God is saying, no, where's mercy? For that's what I desired. Now, does, does that mean that mercy doesn't correct? I said mercy corrects. But mercy does, you know why I said I had to, maybe you should find the definition of um, Noah Webster. The reason why I had to speak about mercy, yeah, and why I had to speak of it like that, not being pity alone, is because pity can be, oh, look at me in this position. It's like mercy, if you understand it as pity, you look at your position and the position of another person, how they're not you. And then you attend to that person. But that's not mercy. Mercy is that Christ can sit across the table with them. Even though he's the son of God that really did stoop himself down, he can be someone that casually... So honestly, Christ was a man of the people. He loved people. God loved the world. God is bringing us to a place that we understand these things so that we don't allow pastoring to make us gods. And when I say make us gods, again, in our own image. Because the Bible lets us know that God even looks to perfect praise from stones, from kids. God says that he dwells in the high and lofty place, but also the contrite and humble heart. So the reason why David can be loved of God is because God loves both the, both the great and the small. And David was able to implement that too. Read the definition if you're there first. That benevolence, mildness or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries yeah. or to treat an offender better than he deserves. Yeah, put it up. That'll be better. Go on. Read it again from the top. That benevolence, mildness or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. Or to treat an offender better than he deserves. What was deserving of Mary was to call Mary an adulterer. That's what the Pharisees did. Their problem is that they knew how to label. They knew how to label. But Christ, did you see him call, call her an adulterer? But was she an adulterer? 
She was. But you see, mercy can say, I, you know, and I can use so long to speak this to you but now I understood in greater depth why in the book of John the Bible says and Christ breathed the Holy Spirit upon the disciples and what did he say that dysfunction would do to you he says that you will be able to forgive whoever you forgive on earth will be forgiven in heaven he gave them the right to exert or to to um to call forth sovereignty he said that you can now say this person's forgiven and heaven will forgive them Honestly, guys, why I had to speak like this today is because sometimes as we grow in God, we grow more and more and we position ourselves before God. All of a sudden, we can speak to anyone, anyhow. But it's, who did we see of Christ? What did we see of Christ? Christ showed mercy. Christ did not only just show mercy, he was mercy. Go to Hebrews 9 verse 5. Read it in the amplified classic for me i want to start to round up we're going to pray today and what we're going to pray for if god's going to make us wealthy yeah it's going to be by his mercy his choice but you see the bible lets us know we can also you know sometimes because that term of i will show mercy to whom i want to show mercy we've actually seen it as if god wants to show us mercy he wants to which is right but hear it properly you can demand God for mercy. You can lay before him and say, God, show me mercy. Have mercy on me. And again, like I said to you, this mercy I'm talking about is beyond the forgiveness of sin. It's saying, God, what you desire to do, do it through me. God, I was saying the other, t- I was saying, but I think I forgot as I was speaking. God actually said to me that it's not that you won't do church. God ministered to me that you're a ransom for a generation. Now, unless you pay that ransom, if you don't pay that ransom, all you provide is an ordinary looking church. The ordinary looking church may still have a lot of people because that's still ordinary. But the kind, because I told you wisdom will be proved by its children, the kind that comes out of it is going to be if you can be that ransom. This is what God says to us. So now the Bible goes on to Hebrews 9. Verse 5, read it for me, go on. Above the ark and overshadowing the The book of Hebrews now begins to declare to us the image of the tabernacle, the earthly tabernacle that, you know, God said to Moses, see to it, oh God. He said, see to it that you, you imitate, in other words, the pattern that has been shown you. You're not going to make a temple that you think looks nice. You're going to make a temple that God has already created. You're going to do it exactly as you've seen it. And he said, see to it. Now God is explaining to us, whoever the writer of Hebrews is, they're starting to write to us the image of how the temple was. He says above, in fact, maybe read from verse 4. It had the golden altar of incense and the ark chest of the covenant covered over with wrought gold. This ark contained a golden jar which held the manna and the rod of Aaron that sprouted. and the two stone slabs of the covenant bearing the ten commandments above the ark and overshadowing the mercy seat look at this above the ark and overshadowing the mercy seat the authority of mercy is covered by what go on which were were the representations of the cherubim which are winged creatures which were the symbols which were symbols of what glory glory covers mercy a man of mercy will be covered with glory. 
Are you listening to me? A man of mercy will be covered with glory. So what we must not do, again, what was the, what was the character of priests? And again, in case you miss me, because this is the problem why I tell you when we're speaking the word, listen to the word, because if you don't listen to the word, you've missed it. One moment makes you miss it. Why am I speaking like this? The issue is, is that God was not speaking about priests. He was not speaking about John the Baptist. He's speaking about you and I. Men who were able to get so used to the practices, but their hearts were far from God. The Bible says that they draw near to me with the words of their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is the reason why God is shortchanging a generation. We don't see the power of God because there's a woman, there's a man that yes, they say everything of God, but their hearts is far. God says his mercy I desire. What I desire is a man that truly loves the relationship. They are loyal to me. If you look at other translations, in your own time, should you want to go and check it, he's looking for faithfulness, loyalty to him. He's looking for a man or woman that is actually loyal. And loyalty to him is not just saying, God, I'm on your side. It's being him. So, you know, sometimes I say to myself, as old as I am, I don't mind being referred to as another man's name. Because I'm saying, I'm declaring, I'm training myself that I'm loyal to him. That's what God desires. Adam picked, how was Adam unloyal? How did he become a place? How did he get to a place where he was no longer loyal? He picked himself over God. This is what we do. So someone offends you and all of a sudden it's you before God. God's saying, but what about my intention for that person? Is it too much that they offend you? Christ was beaten black and blue by the people that God loved. And Christ didn't say, God, go and destroy them. Christ knew that what God desired, the reason why he was sent was out of love. So what God actually wanted to do is save these ones. When we get into the house of God, do you know what happens? We grow and all of a sudden, because we know tongues and we know scriptures, we become judges. And God is saying, no, you see this judge, his seat is called mercy. His place of authority is in mercy. He understands that once you get into that position, you can give something. You can actually call someone, give them better than what they deserve. You can. But it, again, it's not just pity. Again, it's what I'm trying to say is God's sovereign choice. So again, don't take this as a negative word, but to hear it as you have reason to rejoice. God chose you as objects of his mercy. But his glory is this. So honestly, a person can offend me. I told you that God doesn't care about personal offense. The only offense before God is what offends his work. I said this, but I said I have to repeat this because sometimes out of our own zeal, we read scriptures in our own language. Jesus Christ, by what we could have actually said, I think Peter was probably like, Peter or John or both of them was probably like Jesus' best friends. And imagine, imagine like I'm being taken away and I expect Pastor Ben, Pastor Enrique, Pastor Francis to back me and they run away. Isn't that reason to catch offense? But Christ knew that it's not about me. Are you listening to me? Christ knew it's not about me. The only offense before God is the offense to his word. Do you remember a while ago when I said to you that woe to him who causes offenses? And I said to you, in this world, people are offended by anything. Someone has left you, you're offended. Someone called you this, you're offended. 
someone used you as an example you're offended so it can't be watered just anyone because anyone can determine what offense is the only offense is and i taught you this a few i don't know how long ago i taught you that the offense is god had a plan for you and when you came on earth you chose not to do it that's the offense to his kingdom that's offense to what he predestined so yes i lead people but i don't lord it any over anybody and why am i speaking to you like this because all of you are leaders god's calling us into a world but what god is looking for is what christ showed us as example can you be someone that is able to take sides with the person that the world rejects now you see why i had to speak like this now you see the character of christ more and more in pt you see that the whole world is fighting this man because they feel like he started the nsars and Peter's just like, we'll, start, we'll side by him. Not because he wants to get into trouble, but because where else can that person run to? The Bible actually says that, we, that the Lord is a refuge for us. He's a shelter. So if the, Lord leads, if the Lord leads your life and lives in you, you must be someone that people can run to. Where can people find mercy? The church don't show mercy. The church is busy about becoming more credible. They're busy about our singers are better. Our preachers are better. Matthew 23 verse 23. But the more weightier things, they've neglected it. Justice, faith, and mercy. What is going to take us to the next stage with God, the next realm with God. What God is going to do, you know, sometimes God gives us words of things we're going through. And he says, it's because it's going to be common to you and your people. The other day, I don't know if Ashley was hearing it, but I was listening partly to greater faith when I spoke it earlier. And I was saying that God was saying that you're coming to the biggest fight of your life. A threshold and the biggest fight is not you against Satan. It's you versus yourself, the flesh versus the spirit. And he said, the reason, I actually said, the reason why you're saying it is because this fight is common between you and your people. So do you know what's happening is that God's brought us to a place, Pastor Indy's been here for years, preaching the word, doing this. Ibi's been here for years, doing whatever she's doing. Glody's been here for years, doing whatever. But God's got us to a place where he's saying, okay, now I want you to realize that there's something higher than this. I want you to be able to come to that place of authority, mercy. I love what Christ said, the merciful would be shown mercy. So I said to you that though Zacchaeus, where I, we couldn't go into it today, but Zacchaeus out of joy, when Christ accepted him, he said, look, here and now, half of my possessions I've given to the poor, an act of mercy, because he was shown mercy. This is the recreation of discipleship. It's not, don't, listen, as leaders, yeah, you cannot assume that people should know things. Teach them it. What you don't show them, they can't know. These are the rebukes that God gives me. So I'm not doing this thing where the Spirit should tell you how you should deal with me. No, I should show you. So that's why I've said it. Go and check all the words I've preached. And it's not because I'm trying to talk it. Even without me trying, there's not one word you won't hear Pastor Toby's name. That the world may know that I'm a man under authority. Not a separate entity. I'm one with this work. God wants this from us, guys. So Zacchaeus said, half of my possessions I give to the poor, act of mercy. And then he said, anyone that I know 
that I've done wrong, I will do more than what they even did to me. They may have given me this, but I will return to them four times as much. And Christ looked at him and said, this is a son of Abraham. A son of Abraham, meaning that Abraham was a man of mercy. Lot despised him. Lot was a wise man. He was a righteous man. But he was not a man of mercy. Now you look at um, um, Abraham and what Abraham had. Abraham put to, he, you know, he had 318 soldiers in his camp, in his household. And he put their lives at risk for one man. This is the examples of mercy, guys. And this is why I had to show you the glory of God because this is what God was saying that I'm always trying to show people. I'm always trying to show them that I am merciful. Let's read. What scripture did I say he was going to read? Read it for me. Go on. Woe to you. I've got like one more scripture after this and then we can worship. Choir. As we worship today, I want you to free flow amongst each other. I want us to get into a place where we are we really exhaust ourselves in worship you know worship is something you give when you adore somebody or something and sometimes we can't worship properly because we don't understand who we're worshiping but i want you to consider your calling like i was saying consider who you were before this calling that's what scripture says you are who you are not because you are anything it's the power of the core that's god's extension of mercy Matthew today is recorded as one of the, the, the lamb disciples. Not because he was good, but because mercy called him. God looked at us in our frame. So stop looking at yourself and saying, this is me, this is me, I'm tired, oh, I'm not good at this. I'm not. God saw you and mercy called you. Read it for me. Woe to you teachers of the law, go on. And Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. What does that mean in our day? You're attentive. You know, I always used to say that leaders or people of God must be people that are observant. You must be attentive. So, you know, usually we look at leaders, pastors, and they seem like they're more attentive to the word. But God says, woe to you. If you're attentive, but you miss the main things. How can you be so attentive and you miss mercy? How? How do you miss just justice and faithfulness? But you have neglected the more important matters. Go on. Of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He says that actually you should have done it the other way around. You should have actually made these your focus. These are all attributes of love. That's why when you look at the, um, the translations of different translations, mercy can also be called love. When you do all of these things, you will do it all. So it says, if you had practiced these, you would have done everything else. What I'm trying to say simply today is this. We have become accustomed to following the practices of church. And doing the practices of church does not guarantee that your heart is connected. It doesn't. Get your heart connected first. Then you do everything else. Then you'll do it. But if your heart, and, and let me repeat this so you know that it's truth. Your heart, yeah, we will know your heart by the words you speak. 
So don't, in the house, you see now we're in the house of God right now. With, it's out of respect that you guys are not just shouting over me and speaking. It's just out of respect. But the truth is, I said yesterday, the anointing of a portion to your life will be according to the size of your heart. Do you remember when PT was praying and he said that he didn't understand his mentor at the time telling him, I'm praying that you have a big heart. It's a heart that he wants you to have. Not the frame. So I don't want people fearing me because they think Pastor Obi's rude. It's not, that's not the way it should be. We are all subject to something. And that's why I intentionally use PT as an example. Now I get why PT said, no, you, he used to say things like, oh, this person I love, him, but it's not like me in this area. You can't miss that. You can't use any other thing to miss what is going to be the witness. The witness is not going to be your billionaire, uh, you being a billionaire because there are billionaires out there. It's your way to it. It's your process of life. What did Pastor Sam say to us yesterday? What was Paul preaching to the world? His way of life. This is what God sees as more important. So let's end with Romans 9.6. And then we start to worship. Choir, I hope you're ready, by the way. Romans 6.17, it says this. But thanks be to God. I underline this because this was the reason why. This was my scripture to praise God this morning. And for the last couple of days. Matthew, um, Romans 6, 17, it says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, and slaves to sin is not the act, it's that you were slaves to yourself. You were slaves to a state that only cares about you. You have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. Read it once more for me. Go on. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, yeah. you have come to obey from your heart. You have come to obey from your heart. So there were people that were obeying, but it wasn't the heart. So God didn't, seem it, didn't deem it as obedience. You were doing the practices, yes, but your heart was not connected. So it was not obedience. But the Bible says that now we praise God, that though you used to be someone concerned about yourself, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern. From my heart, I want to replicate this pattern. What we saw take this nation, I want to replicate it in other nations. The heart, the heart, the, the pattern of teaching that has now claimed. So the moment that your heart is glued this, with this pattern, it, it claims, it claims your allegiance. Read the Romans 9:6 so we can end. It is not as though God's word has had failed. Yeah. For not all who descended from Israel are Israel. Yeah. Nor because they are his descendants are nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Yeah. In other words, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return, and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Mm. Yet, before the twins were born, or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, 
not by works, but by him who calls. She was told, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob, she I love. She was loved. told that, why? Just so that God's purpose and election might stand. So why did I go around? What am I trying to say to you guys? Um, we're going to read the rest of it because I'm going to show you something so that we can end with it. Scriptures I want you to go and look back and read upon is things like John 13, verse 34 onwards, when God is telling you to love the Lord and love others. You see, the problem is these are the words that we quickly despise because we are still alive. And it's impossible to love until you die. God actually says to us that he wants to show that the reason why I raised you was not subject to you. It was my extension of mercy to you. It was my decision. It was my authority. What do we live now? We live a life of thanksgiving because he chose us. That's what we do, guys. We appreciate him. Well, carry on reading. Finish the chapter for me. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I may display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to God harden. is trying to emphasize to us, it's all him. So this is why we're worshiping, because we acknowledge that our eating tomorrow, our raising tomorrow, our finances tomorrow, everything that we are is subject to him. It's at his discretion. Carry on reading because I want you to still see some things. Go on. One of you will say to me, then why does God still blame us? For who is able to resist his will? Yeah. But, you, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, yeah. why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath? I pray you guys care about these scriptures and you go back and read it. He's actually even saying that even to the objects of wrath, he showed mercy. He endured them because who he really is is mercy and compassionate. These were people that were prepared for destruction. But carry on reading, go on. What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, mm. whom he prepared in advance for glory? Yeah. Even us, whom he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Yeah. As he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people, and I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. I sent this to one of your sisters today, one of our sisters the other day. Yeah. God has chosen them. And in time we'll see clearly that God has chosen them. I'm just saying it that so they can hear me, but go on. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, 
Though the number of the Israelites be like the sand by the sea, only the remnant will be saved. For the As we get ready to worship, I want you to then remember this last verse, Romans 12. So the body that was prepared, God wants to see what you do with it. So sacrifice is what he's looking for. Desire. But you see, that desire is mercy. So out of mercy, you offer your bodies. So this is why Paul said, and I said it earlier, but I feel like I must end on this note again. The Bible says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So until you understand the scope of God's mercy, don't offer your body. Do you understand that, guys? Once you understand God's mercy, one, that first of all, who you are is not because of anything good or bad you've done. You acknowledge that everything you are is subject to his power and choice. Then, also in view of God's mercy, now you know that God's given you the power to choose mercy for others. He has given you the right to, to administer justice to others. He says, if you have the view and the scope of mercy, then offer your bodies. Before then, it cannot be received. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So imagine that there's a worship, but there's a proper worship. This is the proper worship. Look at what verse 2 says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world because you've already been told who you should be conformed to. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the reason why we spend time in the Word so that God can have time to renew our minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Another translation says it better. You'll be able to prove His will. Do you know what that means? Dami had a will for her life, which seems very good. I don't think someone wills a bad thing for their life. But when you understand God's focus, pattern of mercy, scope of mercy, and then offer yourself, you will then prove to yourself that God's will is actually better, far better than your own will. Joseph could not have willed himself to be the leader of Egypt. His mind would not have fathomed it. He may have thought I'll be the best child in my father's house, which is good, but less than what God wants. David would never have thought he can be king, but because he offered his body, his life was out of the scope of mercy. So I'm actually saying that, like PT was saying the other day, mercy is the fact that you raise a trading family, but you want to raise employability for people. You just want to say, young people should not suffer like this anymore. And I want to put my life down in scope of God's mercy. I want to define, I want to say that your community called you um, um, poverty stricken. But you say, I give you the option of prosperity. You're not waiting for God to feed. You're the one that will feed. That's what Christ showed by feeding the 5,000. He gave it to the disciples because the feeding was not Christ feeding them. It was the disciples that fed them. That you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. So as we begin to present ourselves once again, as we worship this afternoon, as we begin to pray for mercy over our generation, over our family, we understand that's beyond pity. We understand what it is. I've explained it. I pray that God will give you understanding and it will expand it to everyone and make it applicable in our lives. But everyone that God raises, look at it. You can see it throughout scripture. 
Daniel could have said, these guys are um, wise people, sorcerers. They don't believe in God. Yeah, kill them. But Daniel said, no, don't kill them. I'll give you the answer. A man of mercy. Mercy is what it takes to lead the nations, guys. Justice and faithfulness. Choir, I want you when you're ready to lead us in the worship.